If you will take your Bibles, um, we are again in the book of Mark um, and finishing out chapter 6 this morning or this evening. Um, As I so often say, Mark is again revealing who Jesus is to us and showing us a little bit more every time who Jesus is. We've seen, of course, that Jesus is the great teacher of Israel who called disciples to follow him and to become fishers of men. He's the the Son of God. He is the one who possesses authority over leprosy, over unclean spirits, over disease and sickness. He's the one who stills the storms and overpowers the forces of darkness and casting out the the many unclean spirits in the man called Legion. And so last week we saw Christ's power and authority again on display as he fed the 5,000 men and perhaps as many as 10 to 12,000 total with just five loaves and two fishes. And this lesson this evening is really kind of a, a continuation of that passage as we see again this lack of understanding in the, in the minds of the disciples. And, and Mark helps us to see somewhat of the extent of their struggle. Again, they're facing danger. Again, they're on the sea. And again, they're facing adverse conditions. They're in great danger. They're in a boat. And Mark doesn't really emphasize the size of the waves, but more his emphasis is more upon the struggle that they face. We see, though, from parallel passages in Matthew and John that this is a significant storm. And despite having seen Jesus just in the previous passage, just literally hours before feeding the 5,000, they struggle to understand. They struggle to comprehend who Jesus is and what he had done. So let us read this passage. But before we do, let me pray and ask God's blessing upon the reading and the preaching of his holy word. Let us pray. Lord God, we come to you weak and very conscious of our need for you. We ask, O God, that you would meet with us as we look at your word. I pray that we would sit under its authority, that it would be quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword in our hearts this evening. Lord, I pray that you, your Holy Spirit, who has inspired your word, would illuminate it to our hearts tonight. And Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Mark chapter 6, beginning at verse 45. Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had taken leave of them, he went up to the mountain to pray. And when evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land. And he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. He meant to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart. It is I, do not be afraid. And he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased, and they were utterly astounded, for they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. When they had crossed over, they came to a land of Gennesaret and moored to the shore, and when they got out of the boat, the people immediately recognized him, and ran about the whole region, and began to bring the sick people on their beds to wherever they heard he was. And and wherever he came, in villages, cities, or countryside, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and implored him 
that they might touch even the fringe of his garment, and as many as touched it were made well. Amen. And we praise God that he has spoken to us this evening in his holy and inerrant word. In this text, we see three needs. We see the need, first, of our Lord to pray. Secondly, we see the need of the disciples in the situation that they were in. And then finally, in the closing verses of this text, we see the need of the people of Gennesaret. As we have said, Jesus has taken time and he's shown compassion on the huge crowd of people that had gathered in the place that, if you'll recall, was supposed to be a place of rest. It was supposed to be a place of retreat. In the early verses of this chapter, the disciples had gone out. They had, they had been commissioned by Christ to go two by two to take his message and his authority to the cities and villages. And we read last time that he had, they had returned and Jesus saw their need for rest and they were on their way there. But yet this crowd gathered at the place that they were sailing. The people knew where they were headed and they gathered there to hear Jesus. They gathered there to see him, and Jesus had compassion on them. Jesus saw their needs. He saw them for who they really were. He saw their true need. He was compassionate to them. He he saw them as sheep that were scattered and needed a shepherd. And he had fed them. He had, out of his compassion, he had fed them. And we think, well, it seems only natural if they were at a place where they had been taught, they had been fed, it was only natural that they would hang around. It was a good place where they were. But yet we see, Mark helps us to see how Jesus quickly shifts gears with what is going on. The sh- scene shifts quickly from the large gathering to something very different. And in rather peculiar language, Mark tells us that Jesus rapidly moves his disciples along to other things as well as this huge crowd that had gathered. The text says he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. And this is strong language here. It's, it has the idea of compelling or constraining them, almost forcing them. Jesus responded forcefully to say, all right, guys, get in the boat and get going. He told them to hit the road, or in this case, to hit the water. And he also dismissed the crowd. He told the crowd, and and they went on their way. Now, Mark doesn't fill in these details, but the Gospel of John helps us to see a, a reason for this, because we see that there were those that wanted to crown him king. And and we tried to see in the text last time, in the feeding of the 5,000, these messianic overtones that were part of Christ's teaching and his actions. Some probably maybe saw those things. And some of them probably just wanted somebody to overthrow the Romans and be their king. They wanted a Jewish king. They wanted somebody to overthrow the Romans. But it was not time. And so Jesus quickly dismissed the crowd and quickly dismissed the disciples to be on their way. We also see from this, I think, that Jesus needed to be alone. He didn't need simple solitude. He didn't just go and take a nap. It says that he prayed. He needed time with his Father. His need was to spend time in prayer, communing with God the Father. He didn't simply go into hiding because somebody wanted to crown him king. 
he went and took the opportunity to pray. Now, Mark doesn't tell us the subject of his prayer, but we can certainly imagine that Jesus' prayer was likely similar to the prayers he prays now for you and I, because he ever lives to make intercession for us. We hopefully and certainly can imagine Jesus interceding with his Father for his people. We see in the previous passage that theme of compassion was so evident in feeding of the 5,000. He saw the people as they really were, as sheep scattered and without a shepherd. He likely prayed for the very people that he had taught just hours before. And he likely prayed for his disciples. We know also that in Gethsemane, he prayed about the work that was before him. Now, we don't know if that topic was the subject of his prayers. We're just considering the prayer life of Christ in his time upon the earth. We know, we don't know exactly for what he prayed, but we know that Jesus needed time in prayer. And Christ's prayer, his life of prayer, should be an example to us that if Christ needed time with his fathers, so much more should we. We need to commune with our Heavenly Father. Secondly, we see the disciples' need. We see that their need is, is twofold. Certainly, there's the physical danger of, of the storm or the wind and the, and the adverse conditions that they were in. But the second one is their lack of understanding. And the spiritual need is, is really greater than even their physical need that, the, that the, was, was seen there. Like we said, they're again in a windstorm. The wind is against them. They're, they're only making headway under great effort through much difficulty. And you think about this, remember... They had had an exhausting day of ministry. And before that, they had weeks or maybe even months of ministry that they were trying to have a a retreat from. And yet, they had seen the crowds and Jesus, what did he tell them? He said, you give them something to eat. He reminded them of their need and their insufficiency and their need to rely upon Christ. And here they are in the middle of the night, in the middle of a headwind, trying to make their way, and they're trying to do what Jesus had told them to do. And that's something that we often forget. They were doing what God had given, the the, the task that God had given to them, that Jesus had told them. And how quickly we can go from blessing to trials. Perhaps you've been in church and and been greatly blessed by the ministry of the word or song. And, and you come home, and before you even get home, a fight erupts in the back seat, or sometimes it's even in the front seat between you and your spouse. Or you, you go to work the next morning, you're faced with incredible trials, or Satan hits you with some, some temptation that you thought that you had, perhaps you had mortified. And yet, things can quickly turn from blessing to trials. And we know not where or how, but we can be assured that trials will come. Here these disciples were. They were being obedient. They were were not like Jonah. They were not running from God and facing a storm. They were being obedient to God and facing a storm. This shows us that the path of obedience is not guaranteed to be easy and smooth sailing. There can be rough waters. There can be times of intense rowing when we follow Christ's command. Here they were in great need 
Again, they need saving from the storm. But what is Christ's response? He comes to them. He comes to where they are. He comes in their time of need. But it's peculiar the way he comes and the time in which he comes. He comes in the fourth watch of the night between 3 and 6 a.m. Now, if you've had the privilege or maybe it's a curse to be up all night or to have to work all night or to pull an all-nighter to get something done, you know that these hours around 4 to 6 a.m. are some of the worst times to try to stay awake. And here these guys were facing a headwind, having to row the whole way. Their sails were down because they couldn't face the wind. They were having to fight it. And it would have to be incredibly hard after having rowed for hours to continue to row at that time of night. I've been told, and I think I've probably said it from this pulpit, that God is never late, but he's seldom early. But God shows up at the right time. And I can't imagine, I can't help but imagine these disciples thinking, where was Jesus at 2 a.m. or midnight? And, and I think about, about the, when, when Lazarus died, and both of his sisters at separate times said to the Lord Jesus, Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Where were you, Jesus? And yet God in In that situation with Lazarus, certainly we know his reasons. And here, Christ had his reasons as well. Christ shows up at just the right time. Jesus had a higher purpose in his timing. Remember that this text tells us that Jesus saw them. And that's a strange thing to think of, too. He was in a mountain, though, after all. And The only thing that I can think of is perhaps in the midst of this storm, somehow the lightning exposed and showed where they were. He had compassion upon them. He was able to observe them in spite of the wind. And he came to them. He came right to where they were. And he came walking on the sea. Now, they probably weren't thinking of this at that time, but maybe they should have been. When Job said, spoke, In Job, I think it's Job 9, where he says, Who alone stretched out the heavens and trampled the waves of the sea? Who made the bear and Orion, the Pilates and the chambers of the south? Who does great things beyond searching out and marvelous things beyond number? Behold, he passes by me and I see him not. He moves on, but I do not perceive him. They should have seen a picture of Yahweh that night when they saw Jesus about to pass by them. Here we see that Christ fulfilled these Old Testament pictures of God, showing us that he himself is God. But it appeared to them that Jesus wasn't even going to stop. They evidently didn't know at that time that it was Jesus. They just thought it was a ghost. They were frightened. They, They cried out not in prayer, seeking Christ, but they cried out in fear because they didn't know who it was. And Jesus does what Jesus does so well. He speaks peace to them. He says, take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. How often is that text repeated in Scripture? Fear not, for I am with you. He says, it is I. Do not be afraid. They knew Jesus. They knew his voice. They didn't have to ask for his name. And Jesus uses that same covenant name that he uses in Exodus 3 when he is about to deliver the children of Israel. He says, I am that I am. 
They were struck by that. Matthew Henry said that when Christ said to those who came to apprehend him by force, I am he, they were struck down in John 18.6. And then he goes on, he says, when he said to those who came to apprehend him by faith, I am he, they are raised up by it and comforted. I try, and the disciples certainly were, I think, comforted by those words, it is I, do not be afraid that night. But that's not the only danger that they faced. They also faced spiritual danger because their understanding was so lacking. They didn't understand about the loaves. They didn't understand what had just happened. It says that their hearts were hardened. And that's that's a serious phrase, and that's a serious charge that Mark levels against the disciples at this time. This is the language that's used of enemies of, of Christ, enemies of the gospel. But here it's used of the disciples. And Mark evidently wants us to see the severity of their misunderstanding. But what a blessing that Christ had compassion on them in spite of their lack of understanding. And he didn't just come to them. He actually got in the boat with them in the middle of the storm. And it was then that the wind ceased. We've seen Christ's need for prayer. We've seen the disciples' great need physically and spiritually and how Christ met the disciples' needs. And then we see briefly and finally in verses 53 to 56 the needs of the people. Once again, a crowd is gathering everywhere Jesus went, a crowd, a huge crowd gathered. And, and this one, in, in reading the text, seems almost frenzied in their response to Christ. It says that people ran and got sick people and brought them to Jesus. And wherever Jesus was, whether it was a town or a village or in the countryside, there were sick people. And, and I get the picture in my mind of just the roads being lined with cots uh, with, with sick people on them, and the marketplace being just packed with people who were sick and needed a touch from Jesus. And here they were, the need was enormous. Everywhere Jesus went were people who needed him, who needed healing, and Jesus cared about them. But the interesting thing we, we, we don't read about in this part of the text is that there really wasn't... Um, an understanding of who Jesus was. And we don't read that these people became true followers of Christ. Perhaps some did, but we are left to wonder. I think then there's a lesson for us in this text that even though we are seeking to follow Christ as his disciples were, and even those who receive the blessing of God can still have a hardened heart at time, at times. The disciples really shouldn't have been astounded at, at Jesus walking on the water. After all, look at all they had seen him do. Look at the fact that they had just seen him turn a small basket of food into enough food to feed probably 10,000 or more people. That shouldn't have astounded them, yet they were astounded by it because they didn't understand the lesson of the loaves. And we also never read that the disciples cried out to Christ in their time of need. Perhaps they thought, hey, we're tough fishermen. We've seen storms before. We got this. Maybe that's what they thought. I don't know. But if they would have cried out to God, I think they probably would have recognized Christ sooner. 
They should have sought the Lord. They should have implored Him to help them. Jesus saw them. He was no doubt even praying for them in their moment of need. He was interceding for them. Remember, He is interceding for you and me. The disciples should not have been surprised when Jesus saved them. If they had prayed, perhaps their hearts would not have been hardened. Or perhaps if their hearts were not hardened, they would have prayed. May the Lord give us grace to trust Him in whatever storms that we face, knowing that that He is the Lord of the storms, the Lord of the winds and the waves. He is the one that has authority over all of those things. He is God Himself. May our hearts not be hardened toward Christ, but may we seek Him in everything. Let us pray.